0: Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Steadfast Sermon Series, which looks at some of the different areas in our lives where we are called to be steadfast. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Pray, amen. When you go to Romans chapter number six, of course, the book of Romans is written by Paul to a number of house churches there in Rome, and Uh, Paul really just, I mean, uh, the book of Romans is filled with so many truths. And one of the things that Paul kind of keyed in on is understanding what we have in Christ because of salvation. And as you look at this uh, and you you come to Romans chapter number 6, he's kind of highlighting a truth that every single Christian needs to understand each and every day. You see, when we're born into this life, we are born into or under the law of sin. Um, Romans 5, it says that sin entered because of Adam, and so death by sin, so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And so we know that we are born sinners. We're born under the control of the flesh. And while some may have some sense of morality and even some knowledge of good and evil, uh, while people have that sometimes in our personal lives before a person comes to Christ, the, the scripture teaches, and really it's just, uh, um, it's just knowledge, that we are more likely to give in to our flesh and to give in to sin, and we just give in to what feels good or what betters our current situation. Before we know Christ, there's a tendency to just kind of lean that way. But what Paul is writing about tonight is he's writing to remind the believer in this passage of the truth that once a person trusts Christ as Savior, God, Jesus Christ, because of his sacrifice, breaks the bonds of sin. And you and I are no longer held under sin. We are under that amazing grace, my chains are gone, that song we sang right at the beginning. We're set free because of Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul begins to write about, helping the believer understand that uh, once we Receive Christ, we are now under God's grace and, and we can choose to live for the Lord and to love him back because he first loved us. And so the idea we're going to look at tonight is, is just simply understanding the truth that you and I, we need to daily surrender our hearts and our mind and our actions to the Lord, allowing him allowing him to use us and to direct us, uh, even what we looked at a little bit this morning, because we can choose one of two things. Either A, I can live life for myself. I can serve myself. I can do what I wanna do. I can go on and just kind of experience life. Or B, I can love the Lord and follow him. I can tune into what he has and live under grace and use that grace to freely serve and yield to him. And so Paul writes about this idea of surrendering to the Lord. And tonight we're gonna to learn about this being steadfast to surrender. And first of all, I want us to see tonight that Paul speaks that every single one of us should be aware. Every one of us be aware. Be aware of what? Well, be aware of what has taken place in your life. You need to know. That some things in your life have changed when you receive Christ as your Savior. Notice what he says in Romans chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. He said this, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. He that is dead is freed from sin. That last phrase right there. When you look at being free from sin, if you were to go to uh, Romans chapter six verses one through ten, Paul is speaking about this. You need to be aware or know that when you received Christ, you were made dead to sin. You were made dead to sin. Sin should not have any control in your life anymore. You're no longer under the bondage of it. You are dead to sin. Now, we've used the thought before on a number, of occasion, a number of occasions, but if you think about it, it's hard to provoke something that's dead. We took the kids to, um, a couple months ago, went over to the west side, and we went to Cabela's over there, or about, well, yeah, I think it's Cabela's. And I went to Cabela's over there, and we were walking through, and as we were walking through uh, Cabela's, there was, of course, if you go through there, there's just these, I mean, tons and tons and tons of, of stuffed animals, taxidermy. And, and you can go through and you can see wolves and you can see uh, cougars and bears and all these things. And you know what you can kind of learn when you walk through there? Uh, you could do what Micah, our youngest, did. When Micah walked up to one of the wolves and, and kind of looked at it and kind of poked at its eye. I don't think you're supposed to touch them, but Micah was pretty close to it. And you just go in and kind of poking at that wolf. And uh, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a cougar. You could go and you could push the cougar. You could go and you could smack it in the head. And you know what they're going to do? Nothing. Why? They're dead. They're dead. And the truth is that anything that's dead, it can be punched, commanded. It could be hugged. It could be kicked. And you are never going to get a response out of it. Well, that's what God says the believer is supposed to be to the promptings of sin. That once we receive Christ, I am dead to the promptings of sin. Sin should not be able to get a response out of the child of God when I'm yielding to him. One man said it this way. He said, there should be in our lives such an experience of the reality of our death with Christ that sin evokes no response from us at all. That when we look at temptation or find temptation in our life, a believer who's yielded to the Lord is going to understand, I am dead to that. That is not even appealing to me. That doesn't draw me in. You need to be aware, believers. what Paul is saying. You need to be aware that when you receive Christ, you were made dead to sin. You were made dead to sin. He gives a couple of illustrations about this in verse 3 and 4. He uses the illustration of baptism. Now, he's not talking about baptism as a part of salvation. He's simply saying it pictures salvation. Look with me at Romans 3, 6, 3, and 4. They won't be on the screen, but you can see them in your home. Know ye not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus, were baptized unto his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. Here's what Paul is saying. Hey, just like baptism is a picture, right? If this is the water and this is the person going into the water, it pictures the cross. When I go under, it pictures the burial. When I come up, it pictures new life. Paul is saying, hey, Just like it's a picture, the baptism is a picture, even so spiritually, when you receive Christ, you are given brand new life. The old life is crucified with Christ. He gives another illustration in verse uh, number six, where he says, knowing this, that our old man, or verse number five, excuse me, he says, if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. What Paul is looking at here is the idea of a seed being planted. A seed being planted. And when a seed is planted, what's it going to do? It's going to bring forth new life. And so Paul is saying if we died with him, we should also live in the new life with him. You are dead to sin. Someone who is in Christ, who has received Christ as their Savior, they have received the sacrifice of Christ for their sin. And because of this, you and I, we are given new life. We're dead to that old sin. He continues in verse, excuse me, verse number six, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Paul looks, he's basically saying, hey, you are no longer a slave to sin. That's just what we're looking at, isn't it? And we need to be aware of this truth. Well, what truth? Before salvation, before salvation, Before salvation, before I know Christ, I have a tendency to sin. But after I know Christ, I'm made free from that tendency. I'm made free from that bondage of sin. Sin is that nature that we are born with. But we need to be aware that when you got saved, you're given a new nature. That sin nature is dead and gone because when Jesus died on the cross, he not only paid the price of sin, but he paid the penalty for sin and he broke the power of sin in our life. And this is the first 10 verses that Paul is looking at. I am not bound to sin anymore. I am not, I don't, I don't have to sin. I don't have to give into it. It no longer controls me. Now, of course, we're still living in this flesh. We still have the presence of sin and one day we'll be saved from that. We'll talk more about it in just a moment. But here's what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5.17 about this. He said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. And you're, new, you're a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new, are become new. Man, you and I, we need to know, we need to be aware of this, that we need to know before we were saved, we were bound to sin. But after we're saved, man, we're set free. Not in bondage of sin anymore. Be aware. Notice also Paul says you need to take it into account. Not only do you need to be aware of it, but you need to take it into account. What does this take it into account mean? Paul simply is saying this. He's encouraging the reader with this. You're dead to sin, now believe it. You're dead to sin, now believe it. Why would Paul write this? I think Paul knew maybe our tendency. He probably had the same one. The tendency I'm talking about is we tend to excuse sin, right? We tend to just, well, that's just who I am. Well, you know, we're, we're all sinners. Well, we're, I still deal with the flesh, and we, and we kind of excuse it away. Here's what Paul is saying. Hey, no, listen. You don't live with two natures, the nature of sin and the nature of the Spirit. No, once you got saved, you are dead to sin, and you need to understand that. You need to believe that. Notice the wording Paul uses in Romans 6.11. He says, "'Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin.'" but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I love the phrasing there. Likewise, reckon. The word reckon, it means to take into account or to consider or to determine, to purpose or to decide. So Paul is saying, hey, you need to take into account. You need to consider. You need to determine. You need to purpose in your eye. You need to be decided in your heart that you are indeed dead to sin. Sin no longer has a control on you. That means that when you wake up tomorrow, you and I do not have to give in to sin sin through the day. Yes, we live in the flesh, but we are not controlled by the flesh. And that's what Paul is writing about. You need to reckon it to be so. God said it, and you and I, we can believe it. We can believe that we are dead to sin. Man, what a great thought. I wish we were here. We could amen that thought together, the the understanding that we're dead to sin, and we're alive unto God. Now, Let me give you a reason as to why we can really rely on this truth and why you and I can truly believe that we as Christians are dead to sin. There's a phrase that Paul uses in chapter number five and it's the phrase much more. Look with me, just turn back a page to Romans chapter five and um, let's go down to verse number uh, uh, Verse number eight and nine, it says this, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. He says here later in verse number 20 of chapter five, moreover, the law entered, but the offense, that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Let me give you the thought. If, uh, if Robert and Brian, they're here tonight, if, if Robert owed Brian $5, and Brian walked up to Robert and he said, Rob, uh, pay me my five bucks or you're going to, you need to serve me until you've worked off $5 worth of work. And Robert just kind of like, well, Brian, I don't have $5 and I don't want to work for you right now. And then I walk up and I give Brian $10. I say, hey Brian, here's the 10, here's the $5 he owes you plus extra. Robert is no longer held under that bondage of owing that money. He would, he would be freed from that. So it would be pretty crazy for Robert to walk up to Brian and say, Hey Brian, um, I'm still going to uh I'll still serve you for the day. All right, I know I owed you at some point, so I. I, I, I'll go ahead and do the work you want me to do. Well, why would that be silly? Because Robert would be failing to reckon it to be so, that he's freed from that owing. He's freed from that servitude. Robert would be failing to reckon, failing to take into account the fact that adequate provision has been made and really more than what he, has paid, what he owed has been paid. That's what chapter five of Romans is saying, under, helping the believer understand that sin was great. But when Jesus died on the cross, he provided grace that was a much more grace. It was more than ever needed. And the, the uh, forgiveness and the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for you and for me, it was so much more than what sin held over us. And what Paul is writing to is he's writing and helping them understand, hey, when Jesus died on the cross for you, there was more than adequate provision made for your sin payment. And actually, if you went and read uh, uh, chapter 5, you would find that he says that over and over and over again, that at the cross, Jesus dealt fully and forever with every aspect of the question of sin, of the mentality of sin. And so he's writing, will you reckon this to be so? Will you believe it? You know, I think that a change in thinking would do a lot of Christians well. Some believers, we would do well to reckon ourselves dead to sin. To take into account every morning, I don't have to give in to sin today. I can say no. And while we do still live in the presence of sin, we could believe God. Believe that he said, I have power over sin. When you think about this, I think of the book of Jude where the instruction is given, where it's talking about, it's praising the Lord and it says unto him that is able to keep us from falling. And you know what? The Lord is able to keep us from sin. But what do we have to do? Well, that's our third thought. The first, be aware. Hey, know that you're dead to sin. The second is take it into account. Reckon it to be so. But then the third, Paul says, is you need to take new action. You need to take new action. This is where we look at the concept of quitting. The concept of really understanding, surrendering to God so that we don't serve sin. Yield yourself to God is the phrasing that's used. Notice, if you will, Romans chapter uh, 6, verse 12 and verse number 13. Here's what you read. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. What's Paul saying? He's saying, hey, you have a choice in this. You, you and I have a choice each and every day. We can let sin reign, and we can yield to it and obey it and the lust of the sin, or we can yield to the Lord. There's a choice. There's a new action that you can take. Well, what's the new action? The new action is the word yield. Notice, if you will, verse number 13. He says, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Hey, don't yield or be surrendered to sin and the flesh, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Man, yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. Hey, uh, something that is dead cannot be provoked. It can't have any emotion, but something that is alive can. And here's what Paul is getting at. You are dead. Sin should not provoke you. Sin should not uh, evoke any emotion in you, but you're alive unto God. That means that everything about God stirs you. Everything about God excites you. Everything about God gets me excited and causes me to want to be closer to Him. I'm thinking tonight about this specific truth that one of the greatest reasons that you and I can yield to the Lord is because we understand His love for us. I'll tell you right now that. As as a husband with my wife Hannah it is it's easy for me to love her back why because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I know that she loves me and in so much of a greater way it should be easy for us to yield ourselves and to give ourselves to the Lord uh, to be surrendered to him why not because he's holding some law over us or holding the Bible over our head and saying you better do this or I'm going to thump you no I can yield to him simply because he loves me because he knows what's best for me because he desires for me uh, to have that walk with him and to be strengthened by him and experience him each and every day. And so that's a great reason that you and I can yield to him. And so we need to yield ourselves as servants to Christ. If you were to go and read the next few verses, you would find that the word yield is used five different times. And Paul is challenging these believers and challenging us, hey, don't yield to sin. Instead, you need to surrender or yield to the Lord. But let me tell you this real quick tonight, that yielding is an act of the will. It's an act of the will based upon the knowledge that we have. Yielding is an act of the will based upon the knowledge that we have. The word yield, it means to place at one's disposal, to present, to offer as a sacrifice, to surrender. If I'm going to yield to the Lord, it is a conscious decision that I have to make each and every day. I just don't wake up yielded to God. Why? Because I do still live in this flesh. And so today I want to encourage you, quit. Quit what? Quit yielding to the flesh. Quit waking up and just going on with your day. Instead, wake up and remember, man, God loves me today, and God has a plan for me today, and so I'm making a conscious decision to be yielded to the Lord. One man said about yielding, he said, yielding is an intelligent act, not an impulsive decision. Yielding is an intelligent act, not an impulsive decision. You know what Paul writes about? Paul writes about the fact that as a believer, you and I, Each and every day, we have opportunity to yield to him. Really, Paul continues to write, and he writes that yielding yielding to God is really a matter of understanding grace. You see, some people think that grace is licensed to do whatever we want. And really, to their point, uh, grace is one of those things that I mean, you and I are under grace, and so we can know that God is forgiving and God is love, but what we need to understand is that grace isn't a license to sin, but grace is a license to resist sin. Grace is understanding that, uh, man, because I'm under grace and given choice, I can turn to him, and the fact that we're saved... By grace and under grace, it doesn't give us an excuse to sin, but it gives us a reason to yield. And so I wanna encourage you tonight, toss up the white flag of surrender in your life. God, I surrender. I'm not going to continue to yield to my flesh. Instead, I'm gonna yield to you. Quit quit following your flesh and living uh, for you and and, uh, living for uh, the moment and living for what feels good and what uh, is best for you in the moment. Stop living like that dead man that you are instead begin living life unto God and unto Christ, and embrace that new life of yielding to Christ. You see, since you and I are under grace, we can be a servant to Christ, and so quit, quit living or easily giving in to sin and what your flesh would want. I would ask you tonight the question of who are you yielding to? Who are you surrendering to you? Who are you surrendering to? Do you wake up in the morning? And just kind of go on with the day? Or do you wake up in the morning and remember, man, I belong to the Lord. Man, God loves me. Man, God has saved me. God has forgiven me. And because of that, I'm free to live for him today. I'm free to love him back today. And to show him that love by being surrendered to him and following his direction and his plan in my life. You see, so many believers today are are, are so prone and yielded to giving in to sin and maybe excusing sin. Well, we all just live in the flesh. Paul is saying, hey, surrender. Hey, stop doing that. Instead, know that you are dead to sin and reckon it to be so. And then take a new action. The new action is, instead of yielding to sin, I'm going to yield to the Lord as a member of righteousness. I hope tonight that we would be challenged in understanding that we are under the amazing grace of God, and we don't have to sin anymore. I don't have to give in to that, and so I can be steadfast to surrender. You know, tonight, one thing I want us to understand is this thought that When we look at our current situation and we look at the coronavirus and COVID-19 and everything taking place, I'm not gonna get into all the conspiracy theories and all of that type of stuff out there while uh, there's a lot of interesting things that people are putting and writing and and news are, are showing, all that type of stuff. What I wanna point out is this. Maybe, just maybe, God knew this was happening. Do you think that's true? Do you think God knew that this was all gonna take place? I do. I don't think there's a maybe about it at all. I think we know. But do we believe that God allowed it to happen for a reason? I think yes. I think God allowed it to happen for a reason. What could that reason be? I think there's probably a number of reasons, but I think one of them is this. I think all too often we as believers tend to just drift back into the old life. We yield to the flesh a little too much. And maybe God has allowed this time to bring some, some things back into perspective and to help us maybe look at our lives and and evaluate where we are and evaluate what's been important and evaluate what things uh, we we tend to invest in or give uh, preeminence in our life. And you think about it, I was talking with one of our folks this week. What has God done recently? I think God's stripped away just about everything that could be, be an idol. Sports aren't taking place right now, so can't put that first. There's no shopping, can't do that. Not a lot of restaurants and eating out, not doing that. Uh, There's TV shows and things, but that all just kind of gets old. I think right now, maybe God's trying to, uh, he's allowed some of this to direct our attention back to him, to say, hey, why don't you surrender back to me? I think that would be the message to our country. I think that'd be the message to our leadership. I think that'd be the message to every single one of us. Hey, quit quit yielding yourselves as members of of sin and instruments of unrighteousness, but instead recognize I love you and I want you to seek me. And I wonder what would happen tonight if every Christian in, in Moses Lake and in Washington State and in the United States, what if every Christian would just come to the place to say, God, I repent. God, I recognize that you love me. God, I recognize that you want what's best for me. And Lord, I'm sorry for turning and yielding to sin. And God, I'm gonna have a new dentist tomorrow, a new dentist on Monday that I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and I'm gonna realize that you love me and you know what's best for me. And so God, I surrender to you. I think it'd be healthy for every believer to be steadfast to surrender. We are not bound to sin anymore. We are not bound to obey the flesh anymore. Instead, we are free. Free to love him back and surrender to him. And so tonight, I wanna encourage you to be consistent. Be steadfast in asking the Lord to help you surrender to him. Let's be, let's be the start of revival in our country, of believers turning back to the Lord. Sometimes we look at situations and we say, you know what? God did this to get all the attention of those who don't believe. You know what? Sometimes I think that God allows some things to get the attention of those who do believe, to draw us, to turn us back to him. And so this week, let's ask the Lord to help us to remember we're not bound to sin, but instead, we're under his grace, and we can choose that to yield or be used by him. Maybe you'll ask the Lord, God, help me. Help me to surrender to you my words and my actions and my thoughts and my life, my decisions. Not because you're holding me and, and, and holding me bondage and I have to, but God, because you love me. Because you, as a loving parent, know what's best for me. And so, God, I surrender to you. Maybe ask the Lord to help you to be surrendered to such a point that other people begin to see a difference in you and I. I will say this tonight, that maybe you're watching and you aren't surrendered to God because you don't have a relationship with God and you don't know for sure where you'd spend eternity. I'd ask you that question. Do you know where you will spend eternity? Do you know for sure that Jesus Christ is in your life. Listen, if you're watching tonight and you don't know that, I want to tell you that God gave his life. Jesus gave his life on the cross. He died for your sin and my sin. He was buried, and three days later, he rose again to prove that he was God, to prove that he can forgive sins. And tonight, I would encourage you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, make the decision to put your faith and trust in him. Make the decision to ask him to be your savior, to forgive you of your sin. That's understanding. That's where we, bring, we are brought from death to life. You see, we're born sinners headed to hell. But when Jesus died on the cross, he made a way for us to receive salvation, to receive that new life. And tonight, you could receive him as your savior by simply asking Jesus to forgive you of your sin, to come into your life, and to save you. If you do know Christ as your savior tonight, I wanna ask you this. Would you be steadfast to surrender? Would you quit? Quit giving in to the flesh. Quit giving in to sin. Quit freely just allowing your life to go by and sinful decisions to continue. No, instead, tonight, let's make the decision, I'm gonna be steadfast to surrender. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.